This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today we have Brian Finnegan. Brian is the Chief Revenue Officer of Bricksmore Property Group. Brian is a friend, a confidant, and I'm excited for him to be here. Thanks for being on, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, we've been connecting a lot here over the past few months, and it's good to finally uh, join the show. And uh, I've been watching everything come through on LinkedIn, so I followers <laughs> here, and uh, really appreciate you having me on. Awesome. So, Brian, uh, I think you uh, you have an interesting story. Why don't you tell people, you know, a little bit about your career and what you what you are doing today? Yeah. So I've been pretty fortunate. I've been here uh, at Bricksmore for for 16 years. I, I got into the industry. I actually had a friend, um, Brian Wardy at, at Equity Retail Brokers in Philadelphia. He's still there. He's still a partner there. Um, we went to high school together and he had gotten randomly into retail real estate brokerage in 2002, uh, right after college. And I was working in a family company, um, basically doing a litigation support service, uh, my, my aunt's company, which my, my mom's at as well. And, uh, you know, Brian was, he just got into this business and he was working with, uh, I didn't even know anything about shopping centers and he was working, helping expand uh, PNC bank in Philadelphia and working with a bunch of cool restaurant concepts. And I was really interested. And that was when we were, you know, think of the early two thousands, right. A lot was getting built. Um, he's heading to this big conference in Las Vegas. And uh, it was just really interesting. So I looked at it a little bit, I, I wound up getting into brokerage at another company in Philadelphia um, and then put you know, over the course of about a year and a half, um, you know, build up a small business and wound up putting a couple restaurants into what at the time was a company called Craymont Realty Trust uh, Shopping Centers. And and then joined the company there in, in 2004. At the time, we were uh, about 95 properties and 12 million square feet. And then over the course, of, we were purchased by Centro, which was an Australian company. And over the course of, of two and a half years, went to um, uh, 750 properties and 110 million square feet. So a lot of growth, was really fortunate to be on the team that was there at the beginning. So we kind of grew with them. Um, and, and then, you know, that Central went through some financial issues uh, right before the GFC, um, wound up uh, effectively having to do um, uh, like an outside of court bankruptcy, if you will. And we were controlled by the lenders. Um, you know, through this time, I had taken various roles and lived in a few cities. Um, and at the time I was in Atlanta overseeing our, our development. Um, once we cut a deal with our lenders, I, I moved out to California, um, was overseeing our, our San Diego office there, which is 40 centers um, in, a, in kind of an asset management uh, president type role. Uh, in that in that portfolio. And then we were purchased by Blackstone um, in 2000. I'm condensing a lot of this, but we were purchased by Blackstone in, in 2011. Um, they really recapitalized the company, took us public. Um, you know, we went public at about 518 shopping centers. We're sitting around 400 today. 
Uh, and it's been, it's been a good ride. Um, I've been really fortunate to, like I said, spend some time in a bunch of different cities, uh, mostly through leasing. Um, and now I, uh, oversee the, the revenue team here, which is, uh, you know, our regional leasing teams, um, the, the regional structure that we have, as well as, um, we work with our, our national account group, our marketing team and our specialty leasing team. So it's been, it's been fun. I've been really fortunate. Um, so based on the size and how companies are structured by my math, and this is on the side, this isn't like a public number, but in an open air landlord setting, I think you probably oversee the largest leasing team in America. I think that gives you a lot of perspective. You're in a lot of different markets. You're in a lot of different uh, tenants. Uh, you're with a lot of different property types. So. That leads me into what's going on in the world out there today. We've we've come through this pandemic. Uh, we're still in it. Um, we have an election and a lot of things have gone on in 2020. Uh, it's it's a hard question, but what's going on in the state of retail or the state of real estate? Take it how you want to take it. Yeah, but for, look, just the, the confidant piece, I do appreciate, uh, you know, the conversations that you and I have had over this. Um, I think you were one of the first people I spoke to when this, when this whole thing started and it's, it's good to have peers and, and people you can, uh, you know, talk through that are facing similar issues. And I think there's a lot of folks that are listening to this, um, in retail real estate that have, that have had a lot of challenges, both on the retailer and landlord side. Um, we've been pretty encouraged the last few months and, and I, I really appreciate uh, we had our earnings call today and we, we talked about it on the call, just kind of the pivot that our team has made from uh, some really tough, tough discussions that we're having with many of our, our closest partners um, where those individuals were used to just talking about new deals and talking about arguing over rent. And, and now it, it got into a, a much more challenging uh, conversation. So to, to be able to then pivot from that and, and move towards uh, new leasing activity as quickly as as they have, um, we were really excited about. I'm, I'm really grateful for for the team. I, I think, look, what's there, there's there's real bifurcation that we're seeing in the in the open air space, um, and I'd be interested to get your view as well on it. Is you think about the categories that have continued to excel. And whether that's specialty grocery, whether that's home, whether those are fast casual restaurants, and then also many of the categories where they may have been closed, like some general merchandise operators, um, some of the value apparel guys who have now reopened and just in, in accelerated store opening plans. Um, it's It's been encouraging. Not to say we still don't have the challenges ahead of us, because we certainly do. There's going to be a, a lot more tenant failures. Uh, you think about uh, categories like sit-down restaurants and entertainment and, and the fitness sector. Um, we're expecting more, but we've been just encouraged on what we've seen from the operators that have continued to perform fairly well. Um, you know, thankfully, we both own, I mean, you mentioned multiple property types. Oh, we just own open-air shopping centers. Same, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, but you can see, I mean, we have, we have a really flexible format, right? We have large parking fields where we can give multiple tenants the ability to do curbside pickup. We have the ability to, to develop 
out parcel buildings and um, and reposition our shopping centers. I mean, our, our, our buildings are fairly easy to be able to, to reposition. So uh, I, I think from that perspective, we're, we're encouraged, um, you know, in talking to, you know, many of the retailers, the categories that are, that are doing well, they certainly, you know, remain cautious, but, you know, we're seeing a fair amount of activity. It's been encouraging for what we've seen coming out of the summer. How about on your end? Yeah, I think, you know, you hit on a lot of the categories. I think that the leasing activities picked up. There's definitely grocery was growing, but there's a lot of specialty grocery and grocery happening now, uh, which is exciting. You know, we were fortunate. We turned a we bought a center in August of 19, where in February of this year, Kmart was still the tenant. And now it's, you know, it's Lidl, Ollie's, Harbor Freight Tools, and we have one more vacancy. So we turned a non-grocery anchored center into a grocery anchored center, uh, you know, had the good fortune to get a nice rent lift on the, you know, from the Kmart basis. So, and that's happening through the pandemic. And you would have thought, right, we bought it the wrong time. We bought in August of 19, but not the case in that scenario. So um, I think, you know, we're really happy with leasing activity. Could always want more. I think tenant demand is, is, one of the things I would say is the tenants that were the, the centers that felt really strong pre COVID they're like cooking with gas. It, it, the centers that were challenged pre COVID there's still, there's still challenges. Um, I think that's a punchline that I've realized. So, you know, the fundamentals of real estate still matter, right? Access, visibility, demographics, all those good things. I don't, I don't think COVID changed that. Um, I think that on the, what you mentioned, we both have a lot of just value retail tenants. And I think it's really hard to provide that value in a shopping center that has a roof over it with that heats and cools the common area. And I think it's really hard to provide that value uh, through e-commerce and the retailer make money. So I feel I feel really well positioned in that in that scenario. Um and you're starting to see, you know, interesting uses, whether it's, you know, really want to get closer to the consumer and who's closer to the consumer. That's retail real estate, whether that's healthcare, you know, self-storage. And there's a lot of ways, as you said, the real estate's flexible. So I, you know, one of the things I, 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 I think the lack of supply in just vacant land in markets where we own and the demand for freestanding out parcels is definitely interesting. And I'm waiting to see how that plays out over the course of 2021 is just see, you know, what really gets built and what happens. Cause clearly demand there is, is pretty strong. Yeah. The out parcel, our peripheral land team um, is, is on fire with the out parcel demand from the likes of, you mentioned medical Chipotle, the, Chick-fil-A's of the world, we started doing this tenant uh, spotlight series and um, we had the the Popeye's, Tim Hortons guys on and just, I mean, our Popeye's activity throughout the portfolio has been 
fantastic. So we basically have a retailer come in and not just for our leasing team, we, we bring the portfolio review kind of into our company. It's one of the things that we've, one of the best practices that we put in place, Eve Sembler, who's on our peripheral land team, um, had the idea for it and basically just does a portfolio review with, uh, and uh, goes through and our team's asking questions, our, our reps are calling, are chatting from the field, asking live questions. But you know, coming out of that, I think she's got like half a dozen deals uh, in the in the pipeline with those guys. So um, that's been encouraging. Raising, I mean, you just you're seeing in a lot of those categories from an out parcel um, perspective. And then just overall, I mean, the one thing that I think this has taught us is the importance of having goods close to the consumer. And uh, you're spot on in your point. It's it's a lot cheaper to make that sale in a physical store than it is online. Or, or, or delivering it. So um, it'll be interesting. And then heading into the holidays, look, those retailers that have, that have really focused on that omni-channel strategy, we're expecting to do pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I bucketed it. I told the team, I kind of have three things that retailers learned and I'm kind of thinking through as the, you know, the pandemic is, you know, as they got through the pandemic and we get into the holidays, I think, you know, I told I told my wife, I think inventory is going to be something they're very focused on. Nobody wants to get caught with seasonal goods stuck in the store like they did in March. So I told my wife, if you see it, buy it now because it'll be out of stock. Um, and two, I found interesting that there's a lot of retailers who are looking to, who have been adding things that would deem them essential in a second wave closure. So that's really interesting and we'll see how that plays out. And then three, all the things that they've done from a tech perspective in the store for the experience from the high end retailers down to the, whether that's buy online, pick up and serve curb, curbside, whatever it is, all those tech things. So those are the three things I think, and that I'm kind of paying attention to. You know, what's interesting. I heard something really, really interesting from a national retailer this week, thinking about, you know, potential of, of a second wave and what they were, what was happening um, in terms of if there were, you know, more space limitations or things like that, like we're seeing in some places still with restaurants. And what he said to me was, at least now we have a playbook. <laughs> he said, yeah, went into this the first time, not that it's not going to be impactful to us and it's not going to hurt our business, but we have a playbook. And I, I, I think that for all of us, we've learned so much during this. I know we have as a company. Yeah, for sure. Stuff that we were talking about at the beginning in terms of connectivity and, and how we're running our assets and, and the retailers have as well. So it doesn't mean that there's not going to still be challenges and, and there's potential uh, obstacles out there. But I think you know, what people have learned during this, um, even restaurants that have gotten much better at at delivery, right? Um, that was a, kind of a secondary part of their business before. Um, I think some of the things that that are are uh, have been learned are going to be really important going forward. That's a great point for sure. Yeah, uh, that is a that is a, a good point. I actually, it's funny you mentioned it because one of the guests we had on, and I don't know if you know him, Greg Baker. He's the head of real estate for Chicos. He's also their general counsel, and their and and. Uh, so, and, and we're not a landlord of Chico's, but I, I had him on. I thought it was interesting perspective. Um, and he was like, you know, it's, it's easy to 
closed stores. It's really hard to reopen them. And he was going through how he went to reopening the stores and, you know, but now they know how to do it right now. They know what they have to do. They have a playbook. So anyway, what else is going on in retail real estate? Anything else? That's the the leasing side. Anything else you're seeing out there that's of interest? No, I mean, look, we're, um, you know, obviously, uh, just figuring out within our centers, you know, how we can, how we can utilize our common areas more, whether it's, whether it's outdoor, outdoor dining place setting, um, we're, we're certainly looking, uh, at that as best we can across the board to assist our tenants. I, I heard not just from a restaurant, from a, a retailer who was talking about lines at holidays. And he's like, you know, we don't, we've run our capacity limitations in the store, we don't want our people freezing outside. So can we put space heaters out there? And we've seen it from restaurants. I mean, I'm sure you see it in your town and see it here in mine, but I was interesting to me, like, wow, they're even thinking of, cause he's like, look, to hit our sales threshold, we have to get more people through the door. Um, so we're, we're kind of figuring out how we can implement some of that. Um, and then look, continuing to find different ways to, to connect with our retail partners. It's a, as you know, it's a, a people business. Like we're, we used to be on flights a lot, going to a bunch of different yeah. conferences. You asked me about the, uh, I think when we were just chatting before this about the, the, the personal interaction aspect, I mean, it'd be great to be doing this, you know, sitting at OAC in Nashville, right? Yeah, totally, man. Now, that, that shift. And um, so how we can do, whether it's, meetups at properties. Um, you know, we've had, uh, high Kuchach and our head of operations has had a great program here at Bricksmore where, you know, people that aren't in operations, um, are signing up to just go check out the properties if they're there in their neighborhood, right? Somebody in the accounting group, or somebody in the legal group is stopping by and it's, it's getting them out. It's understanding our, our business, but I think that's great. Focus on our side of, of just getting out and getting to the properties a lot more. And, and I think from just a leasing standpoint, you know, look, this is going to be a, um, this is going to be a proactive leasing environment, right? <laughs> going to be, uh, we're not expecting the phone to just continue to, to ring. I mean, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a tremendous opportunity, right? There's going to be people that are looking to, to relocate their businesses. There's going to be um, people that may be having issues with their existing landlord. It creates an opportunity. So you got to be in the store. You got to get out there and understand those markets and what's happening. There's going to be, because of store closures, opportunities for people to move. So we're really uh, reinforcing that with, with our team safely, obviously, um, and, you know, each municipality is a, a bit different, but, um, getting back out there and, and seeing our real estate and really, uh, making sure that we're, we're getting in and, and seeing retailers in those markets is, is key. And, and then just in terms of the retailer reviews that we've been doing, um, while the personal interaction aspect hasn't, hasn't, it's been missed. I mean, it's, you can get a lot done when you're on a call like this, right? And you have site plans up and you can share. Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff's been good. So there's been some positives to it as, as well. So. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, that's been, that's a really good update of what's going on right now. Uh, but you have a story in Marlton, New Jersey. So why don't you uh, tell us a story? Um, so you had, I, I talked about on a, uh, another one, just a, 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 a grosser deal, but we're, there's a 
a restaurant operator, for those in the Philadelphia area, you absolutely know them. Um, Chickies and Pete's, they're, they're, were, they were, and Pete will probably get angry at me if, I, if, if, if he still is. But I know he, he has been named the top sports bar in America. Um, if you are, for those of you out there in other parts of the country, um, they have, uh, they're in stadiums in, in Pittsburgh and Kansas city is crab fries or, or world famous. Uh, and we have them at a center in, in Marlton crossing, uh, in outside of Philadelphia, the intersection of route 70 and 73, right in an old, right at the front of the shopping center, an old champs, uh, restaurant. So what was interesting about this, it was, it was a fantastic uh, restaurant space um, and Champs filed bankruptcy. I want to say this was the end of 16. Uh, and we were, um, there were a bunch of companies that were looking at a bunch of tenants that wanted the space. And so I grew up going to Chickies and Pete's. Like I, it was the original one is in Northeast Philadelphia. My parents used to take me there. When I was in college, I was going there to watch Eagles games. And one of my best friend's dad would get us a, a table after the Eagles game. So I was kind of pushing. I was like, as best I could, <laughs> really lean in, but, but pushing. So as it was getting to a point, Dave, who's our president in the North region, um, called me and said, look, they're kind of, they're, they're stuck at a, at a certain rent number and you know, this other deal is better. And I said, look, can, let, why don't we set up a meeting? I'll come in and, and meet with them. So I was flying back from Nary in Phoenix. Um, it was the night before Thanksgiving. I go, um, I, I go to, I land in Philadelphia and I go around to, to meet uh, Pete, Pete Schrock. He's the, he's the owner of Chickies and Pete's and David and, and the leasing rep, uh, Jason Fox at the time are meeting me there and I walk in and he knew we had, he, he knew that I had, um, he kind of remembered the name, but he looks at me and he's looking at me like, okay, this is the college guy who used to sit here and come and watch Eagles games. And, <laughs> and it was really weird for me too, looking at like that booth. Right. And, and we kind of, we sat down, um, we started talking about it and, and because we had had a connection, was really kind of transparent. We were, David and I were really transparent about where we, where we needed to be, um, to get the, to get the deal done. And then I was coming down, I'm an Eagle season ticket holder. Um, and I was coming down to the, to the game and, uh, pizza, why don't you come with me? And, uh, and Jim Taylor, our CEO, he's a, he's a, um, Washington football team fan. <laughs> um, he, uh, <laughs> He, he came down. And so we go, because I wanted Jim to see the restaurant. It's a huge facility. I mean, it's a 10,000 square foot restaurant. The location that they have by the stadiums in Philadelphia is literally an old shopping bag. It's like a 20,000 square foot former grocery store that he built. Unbelievable. It's a fantastic spot. So we go, we tour it, we go to the game and he comes down. So, so the lease had gone out, right? And he comes down in the second quarter of the game and he has two massive things of crab fries and the cheese in them. And crab fries are basically French fries with old Bay seasoning. And he, and he puts them like Jim's sitting here. I'm sitting, I'm sitting here and Pete's at the end. And like, we're just eating crab. <laughs> and Pete said, Brian, I just got this lease. And you know, you guys are trying to stick this out parcel building next to me. Like what's going on. And I have like cheese. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so it was, uh, it was just, it was, it was funny. And, and Jim likes to tell that story. So, so, um, fast forward, we literally, and you know, this as a salesperson, right? You have end of month end of quarter and we're going back and forth to get the lease done. And, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. I give Pete a lot of credit to you. We literally got this signed on new year's Eve. Oh, wow. For the year. Um, and, and wound up opening it, uh, gosh, a year. So that would have been, yeah, we, we opened it right after the Super Bowl, and it was really cool for me. I mean, you, you think about, so he had NBC news is there, right? There's the crab fry mascot there. He has a press conference with the, with the mayor of the township, Jim and him about coming and look, Pete, he's all over the, I mean, these are, um, I mean, he's got crab fry stands at every stadium in Philadelphia. It's, it's, it's a huge institution there. And, uh, as we go to, he goes to cut the ribbon, he kind of, he looks and kind of call, I was sitting there, right. And I'm, I'm, and for me as somebody who went to like, to grow up going to this place, your parents took you there when you're a kid, it's a spot that, you know, you, you went to in high school, you go before games, like, you know, crab fries. I mean, this is a, the, the Eagles players do a press, like do a, uh, a show, a sports radio show at his sports bar every Monday night. It's just really cool. And right. uh, it's one of those things when it's the great thing about our business, right. To your point of how'd your, how'd your store end up in that neighborhood? It's, you know, people in the neighborhood love that a use comes in or, a, uh, whether it's a grocery store or a restaurant and they're excited about when they get that. Well, the, some of the people that do the transactions too get really pumped about there's a, there's a sentimentality there too. And it was just, you know, seeing the opening that day, uh, at the center, um, is, was fantastic. And, you know, Pete's done a fantastic job during, uh, over the past, he's just been a fantastic tenant and partner of ours. Um, he's done a tremendous job over, over the past few months of navigating, uh, what's going on. As you, as you can imagine from a sit down restaurant perspective, they got a massive tent outside, um, outside their, their space. And, uh, you know, I remember he was telling me a couple of weeks ago, he was happy to be open in the Kansas city stadium when they had fans the first night. So it's cool. And he's a, uh, he's a great partner. We're looking at a few other things with him, um, across the portfolio, but it was, uh, that one was a lot of fun to work on. That is awesome story. What nostalgia, man. That is a lot of sentimental stuff there. That is fantastic. And, you know, you don't always have the opportunity to, to work on something with something that has so much meaning to you. And, and uh, so kudos to everyone involved to make that happen. The, so does he have a lot of suburban locations? Yeah, he, he, uh, how many does he have now? Um, he has a handful around. Yes, he does. So, I mean, Northeast Philly is kind of on a pad of a shopping center. He's got, um, some locations in, in Jersey and he's looking at suburban. Yeah. He's looking at some suburban spots in and around Philadelphia. So. Awesome. The brand is amazing. He's got an unbelievable brand. I mean, you know, with having everything in the stadiums down there is is unbelievable for him and you know what a loyal following and so i'll tell you a funny story so at the at when the eagles won the super bowl a couple of years ago um he had he 
went out there. And so what they do at the Super Bowl, you have a uh, they they literally have operators from Philadelphia, well, from Philadelphia and from New England. But they do at the Super Bowl. They'll typically have some type of it's the only time I've ever went. But they have some type of food from each uh, team. And he was right next to legal seafoods from Boston, right? <laughs> like oyster sandwiches or something. And so I was texting him before the game and he's like, you got to come to the stand. You got to, and to see somebody so proud, this is like a, a guy who grew up, a, he, there's nobody more Philadelphia than, than Pete. Um, he's sitting there, he's seeing his brand, right? And lines like around the whole turnstile to be able to, get in and get crab fries there and see him for the guy who's beaming. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. The Vikings still kept them there. Like he signed up and he's got a, he's got a spot in that stadium too. Uh, wow. Yeah. So he had it, he had it last year. I mean, he had it the year after at least it's uh, it's fantastic. Wow. That is awesome. Uh, tough on the Eagles this year. Uh, First place, baby. We'll I know at this point, right. I know. For the positives. Crazy. <laughs> What's going on, Miles Sanders? You know, I, don't, I, I, he was still, he banged something. I mean, he was still hurt. Um, and it's just been amazing the whole league, right? If you think about, I mean, you're an athlete, you're an athlete, right? You're a wrestler. And, you know, these guys basically going from zero to 60, right? With no preseason. Yeah. And it's, uh, you, you see the amount of injuries and that has to tie into it, right? Yeah. Off season conditioning programs weren't there for them. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. Look, it's good to have it on just as, uh, you know, it, it's been good at least for me that it's football has been on, but it's, uh, it's challenging for those guys for sure. The, so speaking of social distancing and whatnot, what, what, what are you doing with the season tickets this year? So I'm on, uh, I, I haven't fully deferred them. Um, but also haven't gotten into the lottery. So the Eagles gave you the opportunity to just defer it and not lose your, your seat license. And so far, so I have a, I have a six week old now. Um, and congrats. It's your third child. It's a third, third girl. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're having fun. Um, but, uh, my wife, Katie, I, I haven't, I haven't told her I want to be one of the 5,000 fans at the game yet. So I have a, <laughs> card. I doubt that I will, but the reason I kept them is just hoping that things get better. And, and hopefully there's a, uh, you know, the ability maybe to go to a playoff game or two. So we'll see. So right now, and if, if for some reason I don't go to any of them, they'll just take the deposit, and keep it for next year. So got it. But you're going to hold the tickets for next year. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. The, so how, you know, you've moved from man to man to zone defense two to three. How, how's that transition? It's just, I'm lucky to have a fantastic partner. Uh, yeah. To, so, Me too. To, yeah. I think we all married up. Um, I, I, I know I did. I did for sure. Uh, but no, it's, it's been great. And uh, my older two, my five and my three-year-old have just been fantastic with her. So we've been really fortunate. She's uh, sleeping well and, um, and the things have been good. That actually, if, if you think about it too, right. And I, I'd love to get your perspective on it. Um, I mean, I've, I've got to put my kids to bed more this year, my five, more this year than I think I did with my five-year-old for entire life. And so even, even though we're working a lot during the day, it's that connectivity and home being home has been, that's been kind of a blessing coming out of this for sure. Totally. I, you know, I missed a lot of putting my kids to bed for sure. And now 
I don't miss it. Um, and it's been, and there's a couple of things that I've now gained responsibility for that I didn't have before. Just my wife has deployed a couple of things on me, a couple of chores. Uh, I, the one that, so my daughter's out of diapers. My son is not, it's a really simple one. I'm my responsibility is we need pampers in the house at all times. Um, so I recently failed. I missed my delivery date and they, they, they weren't here. I was late and I paid for the late penalty charges on that one in turn at my household. <laughs> but, uh, another reason you just got to go to a physical store and do the pickup from bye bye baby or something. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. So when the pandemic first started, I, when I realized that all this pan, uh, panic buying was happening, I, I went on Amazon and I looked and they said, Pampers six weeks. I was like, how does that work? How does that work? What is it? T-shirt? Like, how does that work? And I went on Walmart's site and they gave, and I could see four different stores in my area where there was Pampers went. And sure enough, on the shelf, they said Pampers. So physical store. That's fantastic. That's where we got our, uh, our new, um, our cameras for the, uh, like our baby monitors. Oh, I think we did the same thing with, uh, with the bed bath here in Port Chester. Same exact thing. Got it. The, do you have the ring? We do. Uh, we have ring. So we have the ring and then we have, we have the Google nest though at the, in the house. So it's same. I have nest and then I have ring. So, uh, the, I, you ever, and and you live in the suburbs, so it's not like living in the city, but, uh, I've been, I love looking at this ring thing. I I've got three of them around my house. I I've got some interesting stuff happening. So had this raccoon had this raccoon that I was like, you know, this guy, if you leave the garbage out, this raccoon's destroying it. Come to find out. And my kids named him Ralph, the raccoon. And come to find out, we don't have Ralph. We've got Ralph, Rodney, Roger. I got a whole slew of raccoons that if I leave my garbage out, all because of the ring. So that's fantastic. I haven't as much that on the outside. Uh, what's been interesting is I think my, so right before, uh, you know, right before kind of early in the pet, we moved my five and my three-year-old into bunk beds together. And so we still have them, the, one of the nest cams in their room and now they, they get it. So they're like <laughs> the green light up there and I'm just waiting for this thing to get like ripped down. Yeah. Are you looking at us? No. And it's uh yeah, it's interesting. That's awesome, man. Well, that brings us to the last part of the show. I got three questions for you. You ready? Yeah, sure. All right. Question one. What is your best piece of commercial real estate advice? Uh, my best piece of commercial real estate advice that I got early in my career, and it sounds, it sounds simple and I don't always follow it, but rent is based off of sales, not market. And so early, early in my career, I, I just remember, um, you know, one of my mentors, he just said, you got to understand what they can do understand what they're doing out of the store, what they're doing out of the store is going to, um, what they're doing out of the store is going to, going to give them the decision of whether they're going to continue to invest there, whether they're going to leave the cost of them actually leaving. And so sometimes I think, you know, we get 
caught into, and there's going to be plenty of relocation opportunities for people, but different uses can afford to pay different things. And just like any type of, of real estate, um, people can get emotionally attached to it. People can, I, I heard something this week, our friend Luke Pretherbridge um, said to me, this is the only, this is one of the only aspects of real estate where your neighbor matters. And if, if you have a good neighbor, you can, or you have a good merchandising mix, you can, and, and somebody can drive sales based, a certain amount of sales based off of their use, um, you can afford to, to charge more. So it, it always kind of, it always stuck with me and the, the not quoting a rent, understanding sales, that whole, everything kind of tied from that. So that was, that was good for me to learn early. Question two, what extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Oh man, just cause it was, uh, such a, um, I don't know how they would exist today, but Blockbuster was such a part of my life growing up. Oh man. I mean, it's, uh, just Friday nights scouring if the movie that you wanted, like a new release was going to be there or a game to take out. Um, it was, uh, I just, you know, you think back to, to all the names and places that you used to go to. And we mentioned nostalgia beforehand and, you know, maybe there'd be some type of aspect of tying in with, um, with digital today, or, uh, I, I don't know how they would exist. They certainly wouldn't exist in their form, but, um, you know, that was just a part of part of life growing up. Right. Totally. Just how that, how that shift, uh, was kind of taking place. So when I, I was thinking about it and, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of who came on. Who's yours. So I use this nostalgic one, which is, so, you know, my, and I think, you know, my mom left when I was two. So I did some projects with my dad when I was really young and he would go to Rickle, the home improvement store. And so that's my nostalgic one from, a, um, from a, the blockbuster. I think, I think one of the things the media gets confused right on blockbuster. I don't like that blockbuster gets lumped in with retail because so Blockbuster, their product was displaced, not the function of physical retail. No one uses VHS and DVDs anymore. They only stream videos. The format of selling a good in a store didn't get, didn't go away. The actual product they did morph, no different than when horse and buggies transferred to cars. And maybe one day we'll be like the Jetsons and cars will go away. Then those things will be sold and, and Ford will sell whatever we're flying around in and not um, cars. But the fact of actual going somewhere to buy something, that doesn't change. But the product, they, were, they, had, a, they had a product that, you know, evaporated. So I think that's, that's a, it's a difference between Toys R Us, right? Toys R Us, people still buying toys. If you want to open up a toy store, there's a market to sell toys in a retail physical space. There's just no market to sell VHS movies because no one has a VHS player anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, that's why it's I one of the yeah, Toys R Us, too, for me as now. Um, I mean, did you spend a ton? So Toys R Us was went bankrupt when my oldest was I think two or three years old. 
Um, so I didn't have the experience of many people running through, and I guess you could still do the same thing at Walmart or Target at this point. Yeah. Through the Toys R Us. I didn't, my, my kids are three and two, so I didn't have that either, but the, uh, for sure that would have been, that would have been awesome. But, but again, my, my point being Brian and Chris can open a toy store tomorrow and sell toys because they're still a relevant product. It's one of the reasons I'm actually, I've been impressed with Barnes because hardcover books could have went away. Forget about whether you can buy the book online from Walmart or Amazon. The actual hardcover book almost went away and they navigated that plus the buying online. So I think that's actually pretty impressive given the disruption that they had. So anyway, last question. Yeah. I know you were a basketball guy. I'm looking at I'm at the Nike.com. I'm looking at the Air Jordan 1 Mid SE. What is Nike selling those for right now? They only have a size 14. I'm going to say 239.99. 109.97 might be time to get a new fresh pair of Jordans. But thank you for playing. Yeah. Are those the new ones? Those are like the... Oh, I don't know if they're the new ones. I have no idea. Okay. They're, I don't know if they're... I don't know if they're the new ones, but it. I don't think so, because the new ones, I think, are in... They're usually like 250 to 300, and they fly off the shelf. I, obviously popular. They only have a size 14 left, but... <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, I, was, I was going off of the fact they had a... So are you a member to the Nike app? Yeah. So I, I joined for the first time to try to buy the, um, the Jordan U S open Wingfoot editions, uh, golf shoes, and they were gone in six minutes. Um, when they were, you get that email from them ahead of time. Uh, yes, they were gone. They were gone incredibly fast. So, and I was, and I was trying to use that. I didn't know I was there. Everybody on the call. I didn't know the product before you mentioned it, but I was using that price that was in that range. So. Cool. Well, listen, I, uh, I have to run. Um, I know you do too. Yeah. But, uh, thanks for coming on, man. You got it, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to retail retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.